You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling. We have fun podcast today. We have multiple things to talk about, not only... Breaking down the blowout loss to Oregon for dun, you. Dun, dun, dun. I know, not, not, not fun time for USC there. Uh, previewing Arizona State, but we're coming out hot off the presses straight from Mike Bones' introductory press conference. So we'll share our thoughts about that. It's been a long day already. We still got a <laughs> we still got a live show. You know, it's a it's a multi multi platform Thursday, and especially with a press conference in the morning with the brand new athletic director for USC, Mike Bone. So now. What are his next steps as he gets uh, gets to work? You know, and you know, we we got to talk to him. We got to talk to Carol Folt, the president, about how the the selection went, and uh, you know, came away. He won the presser. You know, hey, he, we'll get into it, Shotgun. You're getting a little too ahead of yourself there, as usual, but <laughs> it's okay. We're used to it at this point. As a reminder, you guys can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Megaphone. You can also email us questions or submissions to our podcast at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. Thanks to everyone who did that. We'll be answering your questions at the end of the show. But Shotgun, I cut you off, but you can just start up again if you want to. You just really wanted to get that in. Is that what it is? I have to. You have to remind the people (laughs) where to find us, how to reach us. Uh, But your general thoughts, your takeaways from Mike Bones' presser. Now, the thing is, USC sent out a a media advisory, a press release, uh, 8 p.m. the night before the presser said, Carol Fultz going to introduce the next athletic director. Didn't say who. We knew it was going to be Mike Bone, but, you know, had to keep the suspense and intrigue, I guess. Shotgun's rolling his eyes. Yeah, the PR there is just hey we'll we'll send out a presser at eight to tell you that there's a conference that there is a you know uh, introduction press conference at ten in the morning like I mean I understand that those hours kind of work maybe there was some grumbling in the media room I'll say that but what were your general takeaways from the presser I mean I thought he won the presser you know he he spoke with a lot of energy that's one of the things that he said is that I'm a very passionate I'm very energetic. You know, I thought he did a really good job, you know, being communicative and, you know, getting his message across. You know, he kind of read a statement initially and, you know, a lot of the things that he wanted, kind of a mission statement to an extent. Talked a lot about how they want to be good in all sports. This is not just a football, you know, program. It's an athletic department. So I think he won over some people with that. You know, when he won the press conference, now does he build on it? I mean, I, I think that he started off on a high note. Now you just got to keep going and continue going forward. Yeah, without a doubt. To me, this is what experience brings. Uh, relations with the press, knowing how to work a press mm-hmm. conference, being friendly with the media, all of that helps. That helps your image. That helps, you know, you get positive press if the press ends up liking you out of the, the press conference. And what you mentioned, it reminded me a lot of Clay Helton's presser when he was finally given the job he came out hot off the off the iron he was ready to go talked about blue blood program you know bringing the glory back to usc so we've heard guys get it right before in the press conferences where they've said the right things they bring the right energy they fire up everyone in the room but can they deliver on that can they deliver on what they said and so so far in other times we haven't seen that really uh, come to fruition it will be tbd now for mike bone but so far so good uh, I thought it was interesting, and, and Dan and I noted this in instant analysis. He talked about the mistakes as well as uh, the the good things that he's done uh, in his tenure as athletic director in his multiple spots. There's been a tendency with USC figure types to not really acknowledge the mistakes, not really <laughs> acknowledge uh, the past failings and what you learn from that and how to do better. And maybe that also comes with experience. You have mistakes to learn about. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. I think that appealed to Carol Folt. She Definitely. said, yeah, she mentioned that a lot. They seem like they have a really interesting bond there. They talked. She talked about. I'm a scientist, and failure is part of the the science experiments, and you know that whole bit. So it was interesting watching their dynamic, and and I think he really won her over in the interview process. And I've heard kind of from the student committee as well; they really liked him when talking to him as well. People like people with energy. Yeah, you know, just in general, you know, you like people around you that have energy. They're going to lead a program. You want that person to be energetic. The opposite of a guy like Lynn Swan, you know, who who was very secluded, very tucked away, you know, whether it was on the golf course or wherever he was, was not readily available often, you know, didn't want to talk to the media even when big things were going down. Whereas Mike Bones, like, hey, come to the volleyball game tonight. I'll be there. I'm ready to, you know, you guys come up and talk to me. I want to talk to everybody. I want to meet everybody type of thing. And I thought that was interesting that he said one of the things was he wanted to listen, he wanted to learn. 
which is not something that people will necessarily say in an introductory press conference, yeah. was I want to listen. My His intent is to listen, learn, and then to lead in that order. So he wants to talk with the student athletes. He said he wants to talk to the former student athletes. Which I thought was an important point yeah, there. Yeah, so he, 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 he really catered to all the different dynamics. He even, even mentioned recruits. He said to the recruits listening, he really covered his bases with with prospective players current players and former players yeah and he he's even uh catered to the boosters at one point said that you know he talked about boosters being an important thing so i think he really made it say seem like hey this is the trojan family he really emphasized family emphasized togetherness as well you know with a lot of decision making and different things like that now there were a lot of questions about the football program obviously yeah you know what is clay helton you know is there going to be a decision there and he said hey it's premature and i and that's probably the exact way to to address it he's been there for technically had been there for 30 minutes you know with carol fault even though carol fault's like yeah we've been you know this we've been uh talking for a long time and then at one point she's like well he's only been hired for 30 minutes i'm like well if you've been talking for a long time i'm sure there's been some discussions here but he said the exact right thing is premature to look at that he he hadn't met clay helton however he has now clay helton said in his uh thursday press conference that he came by the office stopped and talked and was kind of a you know just hey getting to know you type of thing as well and it was positive so i i think he hit all the right notes there and he he talked about it being all 21 sports at USC, not just football, you know, the togetherness, you know, he, he catered to everyone rather than saying, we're going to get football right and we're going to take care of that, which, hey, a lot of people would have liked, but that also would upset a lot of people yeah. around because there's so many good athletes that have come through USC. It's not just a football school, even though that's the Bell Cal program. So I thought he, he, he came off great in it. Can you continue and follow up behind it? You know, I think that's a, a big thing that we'll wait and see, but a good start. Obviously, a guy with energy is is a big change from Lin Swan. So I think that you know USC needed change at this time, and he's you know a lot different. The experience factor, the energy factor, uh, maybe even the passion factor. You know, I don't want to take uh, too much away from Lin Swan, but you know he was passionate about USC. To it's an a different extent. vibe. It's a different, different vibe. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, and Carol Folt, you know. Uh, you know, she seemed really, really to like him, and just the way she talked about him seemed she was very positive on him as well. I was really curious in regards to how he would address the football program and the team and Clay Helton, and I thought it was going to be interesting to see because he kind of has to thread a needle because he can't overpromise on Clay Helton and then three weeks later be like, oh, I changed my mind. You know, it was <laughs> interesting. I was really curious had to see how he was going to do that, and he essentially said, "Good teams finish strong," you know, and it's fight on. To victory. He kept saying that. He, he uh, mentioned it multiple times, and he paused the first time. He, I, I don't know if he had to look down at his notes, but he was like, it's fight on to victory. It might have just been a dramatic pause. Or the weird thing is, like, when you say it, you kind of want to sing it. It's like weird. Like it's like fight on to victory. Like you just want to sing it. So maybe that's what happened. But but yeah. So he was asked about Clay Helton. And he said, "Hey, winning winning matters. You know, wins matter." So national championships was mentioned a lot by both Carol Folt and uh, Mike Bone across the board, but especially mm-hmm. when talking about football. So I, I think that that's uh, you know you're seeing that that's going to be what their goals are now. Can they deliver that? That's going to be a question. And is Clay Helton the one to deliver that? That's going to be obviously a big decision for him early in his tenure. But, hey, that's what he's going to be getting paid the big bucks for. Yep, without a doubt. It's interesting to me because I feel like where we are right now versus where we were a week ago, maybe when we were recording this podcast last week, I feel like we're in a completely different zone or era of this USC football program. There's an AD in place. A blowout loss to Oregon does Mm. not help Clay Helton at all. And Mike Bone said that he watched the game on television, so it's not like he's just coming in and is like, oh, he saw a score. Oh, that, that, that's bad. No, he watched it. He's not going to be at this weekend's game at Arizona State. He said he's going to fly back to Cincinnati, kind of say goodbye to everyone there, and then he's going to fly back to L.A. on Sunday and be you know, ready to go, rip-roaring ready to go on, on Monday morning, I think. Yeah, so in my mind, even before the AD was in place, after the blowout loss, it was kind of like, it feels like to me we're in a different era where it's like a win rather than if for Clay mm-hmm. Hilton's future. And it was interesting hearing the way that Clay Hilton was talked about. Bone hadn't met him before the presser. In the last athletic director presser with Lynn Swan, Clay Hilton was there. He was there with his wife. Really good point. Not that you have to read into that, but it does stand out to me. And 
it just almost seems like everyone has discounted that Clay is the head coach right now. It just seems like, and when this co- happens, yada, yada, yada. To an extent, it does feel like that. To an extent, the way people talk about it. And so it's just interesting to me. It just seems like a completely different, we're in a completely different lane. We were talking about, hey, controlling your own destiny and could they do this? And now it's like, okay, when this eventually happens. So I just, in my mind, it just feels like a complete shift. Yeah, I, I think that the air just left the Coliseum Stadium. On Saturday night, you know, when USC just could not keep up with Oregon, you know, their defense, it, it looked like for the first time this year, they, they you know, the, the team had kind of just lost their, their will, lost their fight, which is something we saw a couple times last year. And we've given them credit this year that they've continued to fight, even, you know, when they were struggling at times this season. But in that second half, you know, it just seemed like something happened, you know, that was so detrimental that the team was just like, here we kind of go again to an extent. I think I think a lot of the older players kind of felt that from last season, and now they're in a position where you know they they are above five hundred. But last year they were five and four at this point. Yep. Now last year they were coming off a couple wins. I do believe uh, to be five and four or or come off a win. So and then they lost their last three to these teams: Cal, so, UCLA, and ASU. And now you got to go on the road twice in a row to ASU and Cal, and obviously UCLA's you know one of the hottest teams in the Pac-12 right now, and you got them to finish with. So how do they bounce back? Do you does this team respond? You know, which they did not do in the second half of that Oregon game. A week later, are they going to respond and bounce back and play well against the Sun Devils, or are we going to see a continuation of that second half last week? And you know then that this season is is down the drain. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. I feel like the wheels could come off. They and could. And that's kind of what happened last year to an extent. You know, you lose to Cal, just no offensive output at all. And then things just seem to snowball more and more those last few games. Um, whereas this season, they fought, they fought, they fought over and over. Even when they have struggled with things, even when they've turned the ball over way too many times. This game, though, in the second half against Oregon, it was like, no, nah, we're done. It was shades of 2018 all the way. Yeah. And and so that's why I'm really curious to see what happens because I I just said, I feel like there's a shift in tone. There's a shift in what's going to happen with this program. Is that seeping in? Can they tell that's happening? And we saw some frustration on the sideline in the locker room we've heard. And so whether that permeates more and more is a big question going forward. But since we're already at the Oregon game, not a lot to talk about stock up, stock down, but let's do it nonetheless. Stock up. I'm going to start with SoCal homecoming. You know, all the guys that came back from Oregon, there's a lot of Southern California guys that made some really big plays in this game. Thomas Graham was great on the outside. Diamondor Lenore gets an interception. You know, those guys that were coming back, Kayvon Thibodeau was a beast coming off the edge. They had something to prove. And they proved it. You know, I thought that those guys and guys that we had covered while they were in high school, you know, they came back and made an impact. And you know, it, it's fun to see guys that you cover in high school how they develop and how how they change as their careers go on. So it was fun to see those guys again. I don't think any of the USC fans thought it was fun to see how well they played against USC, considering their guys from right down the road. Uh, so you know, the SoCal homecoming though was stock up for those guys for sure. Yeah, without a doubt, I had stock up for USC's freshman wide receivers, maybe the lone bright spots of the offense on last Saturday, uh, Drake London and Kyle Ford getting their first touchdowns. Kyle Ford, first catch and first touchdown. That's pretty good for him. I'm glad to see him come back from ACL. That's something we were tracking this season. Is he going to be able to go? And it looks like he definitely did uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I also had Kyle Ford on my list as well. Uh, yeah, another freshman that I had on my list, Keenan Kristen. Okay. You know, I, I, he ran for 79 yards on 15 carries, averaged over five yards a carry. He took on more of that kind of, you know, that bell cow workload as the main guy back there. May have to do it again this week. We'll see. Stephen Carr is going to be a game time decision, so we'll see how that plays out. But he was breaking tackles, something he hadn't done the first couple games. He made a couple guys miss. He ran through some arm tackles. They used him in different ways. He was trying to pick up blitzes and stuff. So, you know, I thought Keenan Kristen continues to get better, and this is that's one of those things with freshmen. Give him a little bit more. More, a little bit more experience, and he's done a nice job for them. You know, it's been an, a, a bad position for USC to be in with three running backs out, but he's making the most of his opportunities and, and trying to help out the team as much as he can, doing some different things back there. Obviously, they've used the four and five wides with Amon Ross St. Brown in the backfield too, but Kristen's done a nice job over this little stretch. And Mike Jinks said as much. He said that Keenan's really proved that he deserves to be on the field. He said, now don't get me wrong, he's still a freshman, he's still a lighter back that has things to correct, but he said he proved 
proved to me that he deserves those 15 to 20 t- touches. And he told the running backs room that too. So Mike Jinks seems very high on Keenan and, and rightfully so. So my final stock up is for accelerationists, those who just want, there was a possibility coming down the line. Hey, if USC upsets Oregon, what does this look like for Clay Helton? You know, people were like, hurry up and lose essentially for the season. And so for those who wanted that, there you go. This is why you don't do hypotheticals. Oh, if they win out, this is what's going to happen. No, wait and see what happens. One game at a time. People. Yeah, just try to take it. You know, I actually have one more freshman. Maybe you can make it three or four if you really want to, five or six. The basketball team. Oh, wow. And freshman Anyeka Kongwu was a beast the other night. His debut, he ties the school record with eight blocks. He didn't play the last seven minutes or he would have broke the record. And Ian did say afterwards, well, he can try to break it next game if he wants. Uh, but he had almost almost had a triple-double. Uh, I think it was 18 points, 13 rebounds, and eight blocks. Isaiah Mobley, the fellow freshman five-star forward, that's a lot of Fs there. Uh, he well he did not get an F though. He got a, he got an A plus as well. Seventeen points all in the second half. Uh, so those freshmen stepped up. Max Ogbonpolo had ten points coming off the bench in eight minutes. You know the, the freshman class is going to be really special over there. So if you get a chance, guys, Galen Center, there's a good product over there this year. Just saying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Okay. Stock up for you for one. Pronouncing all of those names seamlessly, <laughs> flawlessly, and two, sneak attacking me with basketball. Oh, yeah, throwing it in there. How dare you? <laughs> but I'm impressed. Well, I want you to see basketball You know, this weekend or next weekend. They play on Friday this week. We'll already be gone to Arizona. Next weekend they play on Saturday uh, at Nevada. Uh, so that's a game that's a home-and-home from last season. But it's at the same time as the Cal game. Let, let me just go start with a stock down. Okay, go a- for it. Any basketball games – in November, scheduled on a Saturday, any time of the day. I don't care. It's just dumb. Absolutely dumb. Now, I know some people are not college football fans, but it doesn't matter. Cater to the the vast majority of college basketball fans are also football fans, too. So they're going to be watching college football on Saturdays and might even be going to a game on your campus. So you're just losing fans by scheduling any games on a Saturday in November. It's just dumb. Excuse me, you're missing the biggest stock down of all. An 8 p.m. start? Are you kidding me? Are you referencing the basketball game or the football game? Both. Yeah. Gross. (laughs) Gross. Which means we're going to get out of the stadium probably around 3 a.m.? 3 would be good. Honestly. I usually... 2 to 3 is normally... For his 7th start, it's like 2 to 3. Yeah, I usually figure in 6 hours to finish interviews and stuff after a game. So we'll, we'll see when it actually happens. You know, it's not like we're going to be going out in Berkeley after that one. No, no, definitely not. Uh, for my stock down, I actually had the nickel health. USC's banged up there. Max Williams, we got word today, is out for the rest of the season. He hurt his foot during practice. It was a weird thing because we're waiting outside of Howard Jones on Tuesday, and all of a sudden, Max Williams comes by on a cart, and he looked pretty depressed. And we were like, that doesn't look good. And he wasn't wearing shoes, so we were like, huh? Eh? And then Wednesday, he comes out, not dressed out, wearing a boot. So bad news for him. But the good news, at least, was that he was under the the four-game limit, so he is able to redshirt this season uh, and still get valuable playing time there. Yeah, so he he was he played his fourth game this past week. He steps in for Greg Johnson, who goes out with a concussion. He's not going to play this week. I just had a source tell me uh, that he's going to be out, but he's going through concussion protocol. This is the second concussion he's had this season, um, but he got hurt early in the game. Max Williams comes in. The fact that you don't remember Max Williams was in a ton probably tells you that he did a pretty good job as a nickelback. Yeah. Uh, you know, he didn't give up any big plays or anything. But my point there was <laughs> we're tag teaming this stock down. What's USC going to do at nickel? Um, they could probably move Chase Williams there, mm-hmm. back there, if they really wanted to, just because you're getting Talanoa Hufunga back. Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Yeah, you can also use uh, Kalana Makala, the, the freshman yeah. from Hawaii, who stepped in in the Notre Dame game and played some. So there's a couple options there. But obviously, anytime you lose your first and second screen, string players at a position, it's bad. And it seems like this is the what fourth, fifth, 17th time it's happened to USC so far yeah. this season. Yeah, so... Interesting to see what they do there. On my stock down, you got to start on football at least. We'll we'll start with finishing. Yeah, I had something similar, yeah. Finishing. 11 of their 12 drives. USC got the ball 12 times. They scored 24 points. They averaged two points a drive for, for the math whizzes out there. But 11 of those, they got into Oregon territory. That is ridiculous that they only scored 24 points. 
if they finish a couple more of those drives, then you know USC could have potentially been in that game late. You know, it might have been a shootout. It might have been like the I believe it was 2012 when it was 61-52 that USC lost to Oregon. But you know, it would have been a much different game. And it it all stems from the turnovers. You know, it all starts with Keenan Slovis taking care of the ball. Obviously, three interceptions, including a pick six. Him fumbling at the five yard line. That was a killer right there. Uh, you know, they responded to that. You know, they responded. Oregon scores, takes the lead, but they go down and score. You know, after the pick six and, and score right before halftime. But special teams. I mean, you, you can't down for that. You can't give up a touchdown with twenty seconds left. You got to pooch it high, squib it low, kick it left, kick it right, do something. Beats. Anywhere Bars. except right to the returner, and then someone gets out of their lane, and the kicker can't make the tackle. The fact that USC's kicker, Alex Stadhouse, has got four tackles is probably not a good thing this season. You know, he's throwing his body in there. Give him credit for that. But there's just been too many times where he's been having to be the guy to to make a tackle at the thirty or thirty-five yard line, which tells you that there shouldn't have been as much confidence in that unit as there was, and they give up a just soul-crushing. Uh, touchdown there because USC you know you've overcome the pick six that they threw but then you know you drive down get a touchdown to Michael Pittman right before the half you're you're back in it you're gonna have the momentum going to halftime just soul crushing to just go yeah 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 (gasps) oh to me it was such a oh (laughs) okay that's creepy um (laughs) to me it was such a representation of the different coaching styles and mindsets of the team because from my vantage point on the field it kind of looked like USC was kind of doing a half effort of a kickoff coverage and Oregon was like yeah we're gonna score I don't (laughs) care how many seconds there are we're gonna score and so it just seemed like USC was like oh okay let's do this go through the motions and Oregon was like uh end zone thank you bye so it to me it just seemed like the details matter and it looked like it mattered for Oregon it didn't for USC in that moment and another SoCal guy Michael Wright takes that one back true uh, I also have Liam Jimmons. Uh, you know, obviously a pretty gruesome injury from everyone who saw it. You know, he dislocated his elbow, immediately ran off the field. I didn't actually see him run off the field. Keeley spotted it, obviously. Uh, but the, some of the people that were in the stands behind there, I talked to, to one recruit, said, I had to look away. I couldn't even look at it because, you know, it was just, it was pretty gnarly, apparently. And for him, he's a guy that has made so many strides this season since moving over to offensive tackle yeah. uh, or offensive line from the defensive side. That you know he was progressing, and he had kind of you know he was in that rotation with Jalen McKenzie, and you know maybe he was taking over more and more reps. It he was like. on the two drives there, so yeah. it was interesting to see that he was actually getting more playing time. Yeah, so he had gotten back to back drives there after I believe Jalen McKenzie opened the game with the first drive. So he was just he's he was working his way up more and more, and you know the, this is probably an injury that's out for the season. Don't we haven't got confirmation on that that he's done for the season, but. With the way that it looked, according to people, you, you expect him not to be rushed back or anything. So unfortunate for him that he, he suffers an injury. It was just it was a freak accident. He's got his arm basically caught in between a blitzer and a, and a running back trying to pick up that blitzer as he tried to move over and make the block too. So unfortunate for Liam Jimmins, but on a on a bad bad night, he probably had had the worst night. You could argue Clay Helton maybe had a worse night than Liam Jimmins. Maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. Uh, He's still I'll- getting paid a lot more money than Liam Jimmins is, though. Great point. That is a great point. <laughs> On that note, I had a stock- and Clay still healthy after the night. True, he's not in pain in that sense. He's not wearing a sling. We touched on this already, but I just had stock down for team chemistry, team fight, team composure. Maybe so. One of mine was fight on. It was Ooh. down, and there was a fight down from Oregon. Oh, good point. A couple of the guys did do that. Uh, you know, I think it's some of the SoCal guys, and Juwan Johnson's not from SoCal, but. He did it as well. When you score three touchdowns, you, you get to you kinda, have the right. You get to bit. make whatever hand signal you want, which is surprising that the referees allowed that. Ah, Pac-12 refs. Because you know who else is on my side down? Let me guess. The Pac-12 refs. Wow, they're just awful. Yeah. It's it's just bad. Like it, I understand some of the calls that are made and whether you want to be you know really loose with the game or really tight with the way you call it, but you can't let a receiver just get knocked down and it goes for an interception. You know there there were bad calls on both sides. I'm not saying this is why USC lost or anything like that. The the pass interference that went against Javon Holland that kept the USC drive alive where he never touched Tyler Vaughn who slipped that was terrible. The double 
you know, unsportsmanlike conducts to eject a defense lineman. That was pretty bad too. You just keep your co- the the referee lost his cool Composure in that situation across the board. So he throws his hat because he'd already thrown his uh, flag. So yeah, Pac-12 refs again, again. My final stock down, an obvious one, Clay Helton. I think it's start of the end of the road, the beginning of the end, if you will. Not a good look to lose that way against Oregon. I, and I said this in on the post-game instant, but, you know, maybe you can in some world see a uh, close loss to a top-10 team. There was true fight, and it came down to horrible Pac-12 refs or something, yada, yada, yada. But it was just a, a bad showing, given that they were up 10 to nothing. They were in the game. It looked like they had a good game plan on both sides of the ball, and then things just unraveled quickly. Completely. Yeah. Just everything fell apart for them. You know, they they turned the ball over way too much. They didn't take advantage when they got the early turnover. Then you could put some pressure on a team like Oregon. You know, instead they had to settle for a field goal and it's ten nothing. You throw an interception. You fumble down by the five. Just everything started snowballing on them. And when you have a freshman quarterback, what's going to break them free? They didn't have a running game they could rely on. A lot of things they moved the ball well, but didn't finish. And so that's why finishing was so important, in my opinion, too. And in that sense, a retroactive stock up for Oregon and Mario Cristobal. I was wondering, is this big for the program in 2019 or bigger for recruiting? Cristobal was doing his little walk of of pride up and down the Coliseum tunnels. No, he was strutting. He was strutting. He was happy about that. Had him a green jacket on. You know, I got done with interviews and had come back down, and he was still there on the Coliseum. (laughs) We were like, is is he still there? (laughs) I I don't know if maybe he had some on field interviews or something with some of their local media. I'm not sure, but but he he, was taking his time. He was soaking it all in, and uh, you know that that group has done a great job recruiting Southern California. And you know they're rubbing people the wrong way, which means you're doing a really good job because they're coming into USC's territory, and you know some of the other schools that have been known to recruit Southern California well are like, why, why is Oregon in here? Why is Oregon in here? That's the kind of the vibe you're feeling from other coaches, and to come in the area where you're trying to attack, to be able to attack it and be able to to get a big time victory mm-hmm. uh, is is really big for them and then, you know that's a, a young staff that continues to to show some moxie and you know they made some good adjustments in that game so you know there are a lot of questions about in game you know uh, in game management from Mario Cristobal but I thought he looked you know they did a, had a really good game plan and you know did a really good job making adjustments to USC's game plan and just more ground loss as far as recruiting goes for USC so true not good there. Alrighty, well, let's move into Heard It on the Sidelines. What did you hear this week, Mr. Gunn? Well, after the game, you know, talking to Graham Harrell, he said, well, we moved the ball well. And you, when you start looking back at it and you find out that they had 11 drives where they moved the ball into Oregon territory, yeah, they did move the ball well. They got to finish, though, better. And that starts with not turning the ball over. So it was interesting kind of listening to him. He was, you know, before he got to watch, you know, the tape or anything, just his initial thoughts were, we're moving the ball but you, you can't turn the ball over. And then someone asked him about, you know, well, do you wish you we would have run the ball more? And he was just like, no. I was like, though he, you know, Keaton Slovis set the school record with 57 pass attempts. Oh, two of those were the pop passes, so technically it should have been a 55. and only tied the record. I hate that the pop pass is considered a pass. It's just dumb. Don't don't give quarterbacks credit. Don't for that. doubt the statisticians. Don't, don't give quarterbacks credit for that, and let let wide receivers get some rush yards every once in a while. Come on now. Sure. But yeah, so I just thought you know him thinking that they moved the ball well, and him saying that no, we didn't really need to run it more, and they're limited by that. He did say that this week. You know, one of the reasons why they threw it so much is because of the limitations they have with the running backs. Keenan Kristen is a smaller guy; he got 15 carries. And that's actually going to go into my heard it on the sideline. Okay. I'm going to take the baton now. Uh, talk- passed it over. <laughs> Why, thank you. Uh, Mike Jinx said, uh, he was like, to be honest with you, I talked about already about how he was praising Keenan Kirsten, but he said, to be honest with you, we needed a bigger back. We needed a bigger back against Oregon to go through some of those holes, to get past some of those Oregon defenders. And that kind of just speaks to they're limited. They're limited with what they can do with a smaller back like Keenan, like you said, and just having no depth at that position it really takes away a big facet of your offense and so I thought it was interesting and and credit to to Graham Harrell and company for how they've gotten creative uh, with trying to solve that depth issue but it's still just an issue for USC going forward as well and a lot of different looks for that Oregon defense early in the game you know we go over it in film study if you guys want to check it out but we look at the way they use Michael Pittman Jr. you know moving him inside outside doing some different things putting him in motion also with Amon Ross St. Brown using him in the 
backfield, using him in the slot, just moving him all over the place, trying to keep the defense from being able to key on both of those guys, but also because of the running back issues, you know, just not having the depth, using Amon Ross St. Brown out of the backfield as a pass catcher, as a, you know, as an option, you know, in two back sets, a lot more than we'd seen the previous couple weeks. So, you know, I, I thought it was interesting the way they were getting creative with him to try to try to alleviate that depth issue at running back. Now, if you've listened to the Family Feud podcast for a while, you know how much we mentioned Chris Hawkins going to Clay Helton. I believe it was ASU week. Before the ASU week. Which is very interesting. Two week, two years ago now, right? Timing is very interesting in that sense. We talk about how Chris Hawkins went to Clay Helton and said, hey, we need to change it up. We need some music at practice. We need to do something different, kind of lighten it up. And what do you know? This week. They're playing music at practice, and usually we hear it during warm-ups, but we've been hearing it as we've been ushered off the field for our 20-minute limit, uh, but they're playing music during like individual drills and during some of the, the, the individual defense-offense portions of practice, and so it seemed like they're lightening up a little bit, bringing a little fun into it. It's November, kind of three games left. We just got blown out, changing something. I don't know, but... It hit the bingo marker on the Family Feud podcast of wow. change things up, bring music to practice. Here's something they need to change. Yes, all, all this posing on the sideline. And, you know, there was a sequence, and I'm not going to name the player, but USC gives up a touchdown to Jawan Johnson over you know over the middle, his third touchdown. And I'm shooting, you know, uh, Dejan Bitten because he he was very emotional about it and very upset that they had given up this touchdown. And then I turn to another player and try to get some reaction shots from him, and he's kind of stoic at first. And then he just smiles and, like, you know, throws up a, a, a two fingers or something with his hand. I was just like, what? Are, are you serious? What? What am I seeing here? And then as I'm, you know, running back and forth on the, behind the bench on the sideline, you know, I see a couple other players that, you know, a different photographer was, you know, trying to shoot some, some reaction shots or whatever um, behind the bench, and they're kind of flexing and stuff. And I'm like, do you not realize what the score is right now? You are getting your ass kicked, and you're like, you know what's more important right now? Making sure I get this good picture. And that tells you what is important to some of these players, mm-hmm. which is, is a cultural thing. Um, but it's also, it's an individual thing with these guys and you go, Hey, that guy needs to change his ways, but it's also a cultural thing that that's allowed. You know, if, if you're the head coach and you find out about that, that's a person that gets punished for it. You know, in in my mind, you know, you, you have to be a team. So if your team's losing, it's not that you have to be woe as me and, you know, be Eeyore. Yeah. Yeah. But you shouldn't be posing for a photo on the sideline. You know, you should be concerned about what is happening on the field. And what does this mean for the future of our head coach? I mean, that's a that's a career changing game outcome, you know? Which also also might tell you about, you know Yeah. Something else that's going on in the locker room, sure. whether, you know, they're they've already had that feeling or whatnot. Which leads me into another heard it that I had. I talked with a staff member after uh the game on Saturday, late night after the game, and he told me he's like, I don't I don't know how Clay comes in tomorrow on Sunday to our staff meeting as a dead man walking. He's like, what is he going to tell us? And yeah, that, I wow. mean, that's a, wow. that's a heavy message there, but it, it's kind of true. Like how do you rally the troops when everyone now assumes that Clay Hilton's job, you know, that he's not going to be retained as USC's head coach, whether that's true or not. I, you know, I don't like getting in the hypothetical yeah. and trying to fire someone as a reporter. I don't think yeah. that's my job. Agreed. However, you sense it from the players with kind of how they're reacting on the sideline and how some of them were reacting after the game. You know, some of them were were pretty upset about it too. You know, a lot of these guys, this was their one chance to play Oregon in the Coliseum. So, you know, it it meant a lot to them because some of these guys grew up Oregon fans. You know, D'Anthony Thomas had a really big impact on local L.A. kids going up there and all the uniforms and everything and the fact that they were good under Chip Kelly. So this game mattered to them in that ex- ex- to that extent. So, you know, some of them were upset about it, but also seeing some of the other reactions tells you a lot about the the culture in the locker room right now and for a staff member to say that tells you what yeah. what is the concern there for a lot of guys on on the staff as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's why we're so curious about what happens going forward. If the mm-hmm. wheels start to come off, do they just fly off? Like what how does this team keep it together? I don't know. It's a really interesting uh, team dynamic. And I know last week we had a little uh, tag team and we tagged in Taylor Mays. Uh, and <laughs> I'm just so – I wish we could do that this week just because he was fired up about that. And and I talked to him about it and he, he was like, 
those players haven't earned it. They haven't earned the right to pose like that. He's like, they're resting on the, the things that players like I did. And he didn't necessarily say it like that. I'm kind of giving the words for him. But he said, like, the legacy of other Trojan players who came in and put the hard work in, they're resting on that legacy. Because what have they done? They haven't really done much. And that seems to kind of echo the sentiments that, you know, Reggie Bush, you know, in the pregame show before the game against Utah was saying, I don't understand why they're not basically saying, I don't understand why they're not uniform. You know, you can't stand out as an individual when you're not excelling the way that this team the way that his teams did and I think that was kind of a similar message to that you know when you reference that the Taylor had said something similar uh you know it kind of went back to that you know and when it happened when Reggie was like you know why are there guys with their shirts off and stuff I was like what does it really matter but I you know I when you hear Taylor's version of it too you put the two and two together and it kind of resonates a lot more in my opinion that these guys is like the former players are like why are you why do you think you're the shit, basically, when what have you done for this university? Pretty much. That's the sentiment. Yeah. It's like, we went to Rose Bowls. Yeah, and put in the hard work that it takes to get to that level and get to that level consistently, which we haven't seen from these USC teams. And to your point, I thought it was really telling when Mike Bone and his presser on Thursday. What Who? Mike Bone. <laughs> Who? Mike. I couldn't get that in on Tunnel Vision. <laughs> I He's been singing that all day. In case you guys don't remember, Mike Jones. <laughs> Who? Mike Jones. Who? Mike Bone. <laughs> USC's new athletic director. I feel like I feel like he should just have a hype man walking around with him on campus because he's been everywhere on campus from his at least from his Twitter exploits so I far. I know he's been everywhere. He's been back. checking everything out. He got the full campus tour. I'm sure today. That's what happens when you aren't a, a former Trojan football player. Anyway, back to my point before you uh, interrupted me with your song. He said something to the effect of, hey, former players, you can come back into the fold. I want to hear from you. And I thought that was really telling because we got a question on the Parastyle podcast with Dan this week about where are the former players? They're kind of hiding, that, which tells you a lot about this program. That's something that they don't really want to be associated with that, mm. you know, it's kind of, I don't know about this. You know, I don't know if we want to really associate our legacy. We haven't seen any former player run the team out of the tunnel. You know, it's it's been different. So it kind of shows you where this program is at and, and where the alums feel it's at as well. Yeah, and there's been some guys on the sideline and stuff. Sure, and, You know, sure. stopping by. But it, it is a little bit different vibe when you're like, do I want to be connected with that? Nobody wants to throw their hat out there and say, hey, nobody's standing on the table and saying Clay Helton's the guy. I don't know. You know, like Keyshawn Johnson was maybe early when Clay Helton was at the interim. You know, he's saying this is a guy that's going to lead you. He was speaking to the team after practice and stuff like that. You know, those type of things, you're just not necessarily seeing exactly. You know, he, Mike Bone was asked what his top priority is, and he said, listen, learn, connect. He's like, I want to understand all the different pieces from the great players to the great donors to the fans to the students to the staff. He said it's a team game. It's not a one-man that's going to deliver a, you know, a comprehensive program of excellence. That was one of his, his phrases that he used today. Because you know he wants the all twenty one, but yeah, he also he said he's going to ask to speak to former student athletes. He want to knows you know what what did they do well, what did the athletic directors do well or do bad then those type of things. He said a lot of the right things. Um, so that was actually my last heard. It was was listening to something that he said, which was he said I want to impact recruiting and I understand its importance. That and I went whoa. Dog ears perked up when he said that for me. I was like okay. Interesting recruiting. And he said the name Southern California in our in our institution's name says a lot. And Southern California is critical for us to ensure that we are viable in recruiting, viable in outreach, attendance at our games, and intensity of interest that supports our program. And the bullseye in Southern California is Los Angeles, which tells tells me that maybe even that he read my LA Times article about how all the talent is leaving, the diaspora of talent from Southern California. He was just like, I just want to thank Shotgun Spradley for <laughs> calling my attention to that. I was just like, maybe, is he, did he read my stuff? That was crazy. Uh, no, but it it says a lot that he knows the importance of recruiting and recruiting Southern California. And from a guy that was the AD at Colorado and them coming into the Pac-12, you know what becomes a big recruiting area then for Colorado? Southern California which tells me he understands that how much talent comes out of this area and how important it is. And having been at San Diego State previously, I think he realizes that and knows that, hey, USC can't actually recruit itself. 
I know a lot of people think that, but you look at USC currently being ranked number 66 in the rankings. There's only so much that you can rest on the yes, brand. Exactly. So, And I think the fact that he mentioned that and knew that, it, it kind of, like you said, uh, perked up the dog ears and, and made you say, oh, wait, this guy is knows the nitty gritty of the things too, rather than ADs coming in and you know, not necessarily knowing the ins and outs of, of running an athletic department. And that, you know, what do they always say? Recruiting is the lifeblood of any program. Mm -hmm. And when you have previous athletic directors who had not been an athletic director, I don't know if that's the thing that you, is that they would be focused on in an introductory uh, press conference or not necessarily focused on, but mentioning. Yeah. And something that I had heard was that, you know, the, the they had two student athletes on the committee, the search committee mm -hmm. for the athletic director. What I heard, heard was that Bone had really sold himself in the interview because this was the first time that student athletes had actually felt like they had someone as an authority figure over them rather than kind of a peer of I've been a student, a, a student athlete before. And that they said that they liked the fact that he had experience in that sense and was kind of that authority figure rather than the hey, buddy, buddy system like buddy buddy type of guy they like the actually having like structure and and hey you have experience doing that so i thought that was interesting that they thought that was a, a interesting key to mike bone but like you mentioned he said all the right things as you would recall lynn swan in his introductory press conference made it a big emphasis to focus on the student athletes and to be uh, a mentor to them to really look out for them from what i've heard the student athletes did not like lynn swan so you can say the right things, but does that really come to fruition? So it's TBD for me, but good uh, things. I, I think that you know what you heard from the student athletes on that board, the couple of student athletes, I think is a positive sign, though, that there is someone who's had interactions and said, "This is different." You know, it's not just it's not just you know selling us a bill of goods. It's it's someone who's actually putting into action. Now, how does that continue to follow? That's still to be determined. What we'll see, but I think it's again positive strides for the USC athletic department that you know, Mike Bone has come in, shown passion, shown energy, shown the things. Now does he follow through the rest of his time? That's still to be determined. And I would say it was it's a good sign that they had that search committee and even thought to involve two student athletes. It's an interesting thing. Alrighty, let's move on into questions. Our first question is from AT in Greensboro, North Carolina. He says, whoever our new coach ends up being, can they undo the damage that Clay Helton and co. have done to the players and help them be the players that they are supposed to be, or are they spoiled? Is there a level in which they're young enough that they can be repaired? Are the older players a lost cause? Thanks for an answering all of our questions, and fight on. Come on, guys. You know I hate hypotheticals. It's true. And especially when it comes to, is this per when this person is fired, what happens? Because... You're talking about people's families. You're talking about lives. You know, it's much more than just wins and losses that you're talking about. However, I will answer in a general way. When a new coach is hired anywhere, um, they come in and they try to establish their culture. You know, any any press conference that involves a new head coach in any sport, the word culture will be used several times. Any any sport, any coach. It's all about we got to build a culture. This is the culture we want to build. Now, what the, that culture is can change, can vary. But every coach wants to come in and build their own culture. This is something similar we talked about when Aaron Osmus was hired. A strength coach does the same thing for a, a football program is they try to build a culture. And any coach that comes in, they will try to build a culture. And then if they're a really good coach, then they can develop people. No one is a lost cause at 18 to 22 year old years old because you see so many guys how they take a big jump after you know look at the guys at illinois yeah guys yep. the, the usc couldn't get them on the field they go somewhere else and you know they've, they've gotten some playing time and, and look how much they've blossomed up there same thing randall grimes is having a really good year at unlv there's some other guys Bob bolden just had a nice interception at you uh at miami and these are guys that you wouldn't say are they lost causes at usc because they had a transfer no 18 to 22 year olds or even look at a guy like stevie toi kolovatu yeah great point you know he's a grad transfer he's he's playing and you know people would probably say oh yeah he's he's a good good backup he comes to usc and he's a star on that Rose defensive Bowl line. mvp and uh, a draft pick 
because he was getting more playing time. So no one has ever lost cause. Sometimes it takes a change of scenery like the guys we just talked about. Other times it's just a you know a new style of coaching. Look at maybe the defensive line this year with Chad Kay and some of those guys that are really kind of blossoming under him. Uh, you know, the Marlon Tui Pelotu and Jay Tefele and how they've kind of you know done some different things this year, maybe because of it's a different way of teaching, but also you're le- learning new techniques. And so you combine those with previous techniques. So I don't think that anyone ever becomes a lost college cause in college just because yeah. your 18 to 22 is still developmental. A lot of guys' bodies are still developing, mentally developing. I mean, I, I still have not you know grown up yet. So maybe one year I will, but not yet. Mm, debatable. <laughs> I will just step in and say that that's debatable. I, I mean, it really, for me, I felt like it, I, I was 25, 26, 27 before I, I felt like I you know, mentally matured rather than as a, a college student. You know, I felt like I still had stuff to learn and it's different for every person. You know, yeah. some people are 18 years old and they're, you know, mentally they're an adult. Other kids at 18 are still just really big kids. Yeah. And there's a lot of learning lessons in the age that you're a college football player. Yes. In many facets, not even just on the field. And so there's always opportunity to mold and grow and learn and do better and be a better player. So I don't think anyone is a lost cause in that sense. Alrighty, let's go to our final question. It's from Rich from La Mirada, who says, Why has USC not fired Clay Hilton and gone all in for Urban Meyer as the next coach? Whatever he wants, show initiative, or wait and possibly lose him, or another top name like Bob Stoops, to FSU. FSU saw their program was losing recruits and then acted. But we are USC. It would be nice for Fight On to mean something in college football again. Rich from La Mirada. Another hypothetical question. We're in that another, era, Shotgun. We're another here. Another fire the head coach. We're here. So were we with the entire end of last season? Yeah, I know. And they didn't do it. No, I know. What they should do and what they do do are two different things at USC. Um, but are you laughing because I said doo-doo? <laughs> <laughs> it's that time of the night. Uh-huh. He was I'm laughing because I said doo-doo. The thing is, they didn't have an athletic director until today. Who's supposed to hire and fire or new coaches? An athletic director. Come on, people. This isn't too hard. Someone said that you're very sassy when people ask questions. Be nice. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Well, they're hypothetical questions, which I don't like. I know, Mr. Grumpy Pants over there. Hypotheticals. No, no, no. I, I understand. No, I do. I gotta say, there is some uneasiness for me talking about already coaching hires, potential hires, when there's not an opening. There's still three games left in the season. It makes me uneasy. I just, from a journalistic standpoint and a, this is a person standpoint, it's just uncomfortable for me. I get that the writing's on the wall, but I don't know. It's hard. It, it makes it difficult because, remember, we're still interviewing these people. We're still talking to them. Yeah. We may see Clay Helton tomorrow at a high school game. Mm-hmm. You guys don't have that interaction with them, so it makes it a little bit different. And it's hard to say, well, yeah, you just got to fire everybody. And then you see the guy the next day and say, yeah, I said it. What's up? I think from afar, there's like a little bit of a video game aspect to it all, you know? Good point. Where, hey, these are just players. These are things. They're not like people who have feelings and sons and daughters and wives and have to go to class. And, you know, just human things. You lose that aspect. And I mean, people even lose that aspect with us. <laughs> I have some emails to show that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's just weird in that sense. So, Yeah, I, I think that if there is going to be a move made, which is seems to be the direction that things have progressed after losing 56 to 24. So yeah, it, it appears that's the trajectory. But there was no athletic director. So that's the biggest thing. The person that's supposed to be responsible for potentially making that decision, there hasn't been one. There's been an interim. And the interim had already said that he was not going to make that decision. Now you have an athletic director. Now let's just see how things play out. Give it a couple weeks, guys. We'll know everything in a couple weeks, I think. Yeah, and that's going to lead to my final point of the podcast. Buckle up, people. We're in interesting times. We're back to the, I'm sleeping with my phone ringer on. You never know what happens. <laughs> it's it's that time of, of USC season again, if you will. And just remember that it's a roller coaster ride, so you can have fun with it, too, because there can be some ups. There is still that possibility that, that crazy stuff happens, and USC ends up winning the Pac-12 and ends up in a Rose Bowl. It's not likely, yeah, but, but it is also the Pac-12. True. Where nothing that is expected to happen ever happens. Should that be the new tagline? 
What's what's the current tagline? Conference of Champions. No, it, the new tagline should probably be like, "Yeah, you've heard about our refs." <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. Our commissioner gets paid five million dollars. We've heard. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> new Pac-12 taglines. Hey guys, if you're listening, <laughs> if you made it this far, if you made it this far, send us, tweet us, or email us your uh, your your submissions for new Pac-12 taglines. Yeah, we want to hear slogans. what you guys the slogans for the conference. Yeah, we want to hear what you guys have to say as well. I think it has to do something with Larry Scott or the refs. Come on, the refs or USC being down right now. The like, conference yeah. where our commissioner preferred parity over playoffs. Yeah, we're waiting for USC to come back too. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so cinema guys, we want to we want to hear what you guys have to say. Some as well. levity to the situation right now, but yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up. Any final thoughts? I mean, what do you think is going to happen on Saturday? I kind of forget that there's games still happening, uh, especially after a day like today where there's a press conference and a lot, a lot of media shows for us to to, yeah. to wind our way through. Um, you, you know, I think USC is going to go and they're going to get a hail mary pass to Michael Pittman Jr. to win the game. The reverse jail mary. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. You, know, you predicted this on three separate things now, so I, I, I hope it happens just for your sake. I decided to stick with one. Um, yeah, because you usually change from platform to platform. Yeah, because I, I, I hate predictions so much that I don't ever think about them beforehand. And then after I make one, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's probably going to be wrong. So <laughs> I start changing my mind. And yeah, second, evolving. Second-guessing myself as we go through multiple shows in a day. But this week, no, nah, I got it. I, I got this stick one down. Stick to your guns. We'll see. I nailed this The one. guns sticking to the guns. Yep, nailed this. We shall see. I think USC is going to lose a close one, 24-21. When it happens, when Michael Pittman happens, I just want everyone to send me – Mini ponies still. Just still. Just mini ponies anyway. I saw in your mentions you got a mini pony during yeah. the game. I didn't. I was kind of sad about that. Well, there's only one turnover, unfortunately. True. <laughs> hey, by the way, shouts to you. I asked you at the end of the podcast, to anyone who actually listened to it, does USC get a Everyone turnover? To it. Of course. Does USC get a turnover? And you said, yes, they're due for one. And what happened? Justin Herbert threw it right to someone. Uh, hashtag team Herbert's maybe not that good. Yeah, I've, I've still got a lot of question about marks about him as a quarterback. You know, he got a lot better as the game progressed, but what happened as the game progressed, they gave him quick, easy throws at the line of scrimmage to help out, and they got their play-action game going. He was 10 for 10 on play-action, which tells you how important maybe that is for him to be successful. Yeah. Alrighty, that's enough good. about Oregon. Yeah, I don't know why we're ending with that. <laughs> Alrighty, that's going to wrap it up for this week's podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Please send us your questions, comments, concerns uh, at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. No, at. It's not Twitter. Familyfeudpod at gmail.com. It's been a long day. And send us your Pac-12 taglines. Yeah, that I'm really excited for. So please do that. Uh, that would be great. Alrighty, that's going to wrap it up. I'm Keely. That's Chalk. And we'll see you all next week. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after the Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.